Hello, hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another episode of The Z Report. And uh, today is June 6, 2023. And uh, yeah, I'd like to apologize to some of you guys. We got I got a little bit of the order of operations a little backed up here today. But uh, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, uh, people of all ages, I do want to welcome you back to another edition of today's show. I am your host, Mr. C, also known as... Michael Aaron Gossett sometimes I forget my own name too. Boy, the order of operations, everything going on today. Um, we did have, uh, there's a lot of, there's kind of a lot of stuff to talk about today. We'll get some Trump truths that we'll be doing today. Uh, we'll also uh, be getting into a little bit of other information for you guys. There's actually, we got a few, um, we have a few uh, election stories for you guys today, so that should be a fun thing for sure. Um, we'll talk a little bit about uh, some uh, stuff going on in the Pennsylvania, New York area as far as elections go. You guys probably remember, or maybe you don't, like back in 2020, there was a story about a, a, a postal truck driver who went uh, from New York to Pennsylvania across state lines with um uh with uh, uh ballots printed ballots so you know that was uh that was a big case back in 2020 early 2021 and then uh it seemed to have like gone away of course you know the investigations the uh, everything that they have to do ladies and gentlemen of course they're going to use the passage of time as much as they can ladies and gentlemen in that regard uh, but we'll get to that story in a little bit today. Perhaps some of you guys uh, remember it. They finally finished the report, and now they can actually get to talking about what was going on. Seems like there was a little vindication on that side, ladies and gentlemen, which is also a very good thing. Anyhow, guys, so we'll get into today's show. Thanks again for being here. If you're part of the live audience, you're joining us over at uh, Rumble, over at Twitch, over at the Foxhole, over at, uh, I think that's all of them, Rumble, Twitch, and Pill.net. All right, let's not forget about that one, ladies and gentlemen. Okay, so uh, we'll jump right in this uh, afternoon because there's a lot of kind of peripheral stuff that's going on too uh, in the news today. Of course, uh, I mean, a lot of peripheral stuff. And a lot of other, you know, uh, my well stuff that's uh, a little bit more into minute, but like it's uh, it's good stuff to go through. So uh, we'll start off first with some President uh, Trump truths. He actually had quite a few that he had released since yesterday, and then of course there's a lot of other stuff going on in in that regard. Like when we're talking about uh, one of the stories that we'll be hitting up today, of course, it's going to be about. Uh, the recusal of a Judge Mershon, if I'm saying that, that name right, uh, that's the judge involved in the Stormy Daniels case. Uh, so we'll take a look about, about that. But, you know, that's not the only thing, of course. Like, we also had a suggestion that President Trump, uh, I mean, I guess based on what his legal team went through with uh, the uh, DA's office in New York, I was, believe that was yesterday. Uh, and now I'm hearing and I'm reading headlines to the effect that President Trump is expecting an arrest, possibly. So, I mean, I guess we'll see where that goes, ladies and gentlemen. I mean, there's really no telling where this all will go in the end. I mean, there are so there's such a confluence of ideas of where this could go, ladies and gentlemen. But 
I don't know. Um, I'll uh, I will maintain my uh, optimistic uh, uh, battle lines here, ladies and gentlemen, and then we'll just see where the story takes us. Uh, but let's go ahead and jump first into some President Trump truths to get today's episode started. And uh, let's see here. We'll do swap over like this. Okay. And uh, here we go. Oh. Oh, all of a sudden I feel so naked. Okay, there we go. And we're up. All right. Oh, and we're still getting things together here at the Sea Report, so just hang tight. Okay. All right. Now, uh, let's see what our first President Trump truth is for today. It goes this way. Ty Cobb is a disgruntled former lawyer who represented me long ago and knows absolutely nothing about the boxes hoax being perpetrated upon by the DOJ for purposes of interfering with the upcoming 2024 presidential an election, where I am uh, substantially leading all comers, including Republicans and Democrats. His words are angry, nasty, and libelous only because I did not continue using him and paying him, and for good reason. He will be held legally responsible for his false statements. Ooh, so Ty Cobb, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, those are some pretty strong statements that we got uh, President Trump making in regards to Ty Cobb. And again, this is this all comes down to the ever fanatical witch hunt of President Donald Trump, ladies and gentlemen. And um, and as they continue to uh, as they continue to uh, 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 hound him on issues. You know, we, we went through the article yesterday regarding uh, President Trump and uh, his innocence in regard to what's happening over uh, in Mar-a-Lago in this entire situation. It's, uh, it's, it's gotten to a quite ridiculous place, I think. But I don't know. We let these criminals run around doing ridiculous things. I mean, we could only hope and pray there's going to be a turnaround, right? A comeuppance for these individuals. So we'll see what happens, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, but um, anyhow, uh, let's move on to our next Trump statement. Let's see what I got here. Okay, so uh, President Trump is making some mention here of Governor Sununu. Uh, interesting enough, we just talked about Chris Sununu yesterday on the show, right? I kind of uh, went off a little bit on him, not too much, but a little bit uh, in regards to what he's doing. Let's see what let's see what uh, President Trump has to say, because as you know, we were talking about how yesterday, how Governor Sununu was saying, oh, well, we can't have that many Republicans on the field because then we'll certainly give the election to President Trump. That was the sentiment from uh, Chris Sununu of New Hampshire. Uh, President Trump says, many say don't punch down when talking about people like Chris Sununu. Uh, sloppy Chris Christie, Ada Hutchinson, or others, but sometimes it's necessary to talk badly about those that, for no reason other than politics, speak badly about you. You have to put them in proper perspective you have to put them in their places. All right, guys. So, yeah. Well, I mean, wouldn't it be interesting to see where Governor Sununu's place might be? Uh, you guys probably all saw that really funny picture. Uh, well, you know, we'll. I guess we'll give credit where credit is due, right? It was uh, a Trump repost. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, he was reposting a, a... Who was it? It was Roger Stone, wasn't it? It was Roger Stone. 
And uh, Roger Stone had posted a very, I thought it was hilarious picture of, uh, of uh, Chris Sununu, right? It said he doesn't need to run. He No, wait, he needs to run, just not for office or something to that effect, okay? So you guys probably, now you guys can maybe put a face to the name of Sununu. I mean, who would think, who would think about a name like Sununu, really? And uh, think of a face, but, uh, I, you know, I'm talking about Chris Christie now, okay? Chris Sununu, Chris Christie, they're both uh, they're both from that side of the uh, of the um, of the country. Like Chris Christie, okay, that was the Roger Stone one. Okay, pardon me, guys, that was uh, that was some funny stuff though. But let's get back to Chris Sununu because President Trump made another statement about Chris Sununu, and then uh, let's see what he had to say in, in this regard. Okay, so two two statements with Sununu's name, of course, and then we had Ada Hutchinson. Uh, and then we had, of course, sloppy Chris Christie. Let's say what President Trump has to say about Sununu in this one. Uh, he says, Rhino, ooh, calling them like they are, President Trump. Rhino, Chris Sununu, stated in his fake opinion published in the Washington Compost, I'm not running for president in 2024. Beating Trump is more important. No, he's not running for president because he's polling at zero and has no chance of winning. The people of New Hampshire have gotten wise to Chris Sununu and they no longer like or respect him. I never liked him, but always did whatever he asked for the state because I wanted to help New Hampshire. And I did. Ooh. So, you know, guys, I mean, has the name Sununu become somewhat familiar to us out there in this uh, audience and beyond? Um, you know, I'll, I'll bring this up briefly because I've heard so many. I'm hearing so many different things on this front, guys. And uh, I've heard, uh, I mean, actually, no, I should I take that back. I haven't heard many opinions. I've seen headlines, right? I've seen titles of videos, but I don't generally listen or watch them, you know, uh, like, uh, and this is going to be in regards to the Mike Gill case. Okay. Now there are some, there are some um, videos and uh, interviews that I've listened to with Mike Gill, and there are some thoughts and some opinions that have been spoken about Mike Gill recently. Now, you know, I really couldn't speak to it because I don't know the man. Um, as far as his story goes and what has happened in regard to getting the information out, in, to, in regard to getting actual hard evidence out, now I'm hearing about a uh, about involvement with two offices of the FBI and a possible civil war that's going on between FBI offices. And uh, apparently Mike Gill is wrapped up into this. I am not even going to go further into that, but what I am going to talk about is how Mike Gill did talk about Governor Sununu at the time. Now, I believe this would have been the father of Chris Sununu, okay? Um, so uh, that's a different Governor Sununu, all right? So, you know, so some of you guys might be familiar with the name Sununu if you're talking about like the Pandora Papers and you're talking about the Mike Gill case. Now, again, I'm not going to get into the Mike Gill case. I think I think based on the information that we've received from him without any actual physical evidence, even though he claims to have it. Again, I'm hearing a lot of different things about this right now, as far as Mike Gill goes. Um, and I'm here, I'm seeing a lot of different opinions, most of which I just don't even pay attention to. But, you know, 
Um, as far as as far as what is revealed in the Pandora Papers, that's what I'm saying. I think we'd rather. I think it'd be best if we did like an exploration of the Pandora Papers, right? Since it seems that like this uh, Mike Gill case is not going anywhere, but the Sununu family. Uh, in addition to the Pandora Papers and the corruption of New Hampshire, have also been cited uh, for involvement in election fraud and election rigging in New Hampshire as early as the mid-1980s, ladies and gentlemen. So um, the Sununu family does have quite the history in New Hampshire. So, you know, I think it's rather interesting here. I mean, where do you, where do you think the credence is? Other Is it just that Chris Sununu is a terrible governor for New Hampshire, that he's a rhino and that he is uh, he's not who he says that he is? Do you think that's what the people have seen through whenever they're talking about seeing through Chris Sununu and understanding that? I mean, think about it. I mean, of all of the states in this union that actually had an, um, an election audit for 2024 that actually did a forensic audit of some type or, or tried to do some type of review and investigation into the fraud, uh, Wyndham, New Hampshire was a uh, was one of the big ones. I mean, that one hit our map here at the Sea Report. We, we reported on the Wyndham, New Hampshire audit basically, I think, maybe like a week or so out of the gates, you know, I think, I think uh, like we were looking at reporting by like Heather Mullins and stuff like that at the time. Cause she was one of the ones, I think she's from down in Georgia. She was one of the ones or she's, she's on the East coast, but she was up there in New Hampshire uh, covering that story along with some other, uh, some other uh, independents out there, ladies and gentlemen, this is where we were getting the information from. And then you guys might also remember from the Wyndham, Hampshire, New uh, Wyndham, New Hampshire audit, you know, like uh, we had Hari Hursty, the guy who's uh, the guy who showed us on video how to rig an election with uh, with uh, memory cards and never touching the machine. And it's like everyone forgot about that. Right. And then he went over to New Hampshire. We had we had the video, but we have the episodes. If you go back into our into our archive, right, where it even shows um, Hari Hursty uh, playing with the memory cards for like 45 minutes each right and then it's like oh there's nothing to see here on these memory cards i am harry husty right so anyways guys that was so new hampshire they put up a big fight like and you know even though wyndham township is you know not like the most populous place in uh, new hampshire obviously they put up a big fight the people of wyndham new hampshire had a huge showing it showed a lot of the uh, local, um, the local, uh, shall we say authority, right? We had like the, they were the, the people of Wyndham, New Hampshire at one point were surrounded by police, right? They had to get, they had to get um, the town meeting moved to a bigger place because they wanted to shut it down when all the people showed up saying they want an audit. It was, it was quite the story, guys. It was quite the story. So, you know, when we're talking about Wyndham, New Hampshire, we're talking about New Hampshire in general. We're talking about the Sununu family. I think that that is another political family name, along with Obama, along with Clinton, along with Bush, along with Cheney, that we cannot trust in politics. Sununu really should be synonymous with names like Cheney and names like Bush 
and names like uh, DeSantis. Anyways, okay, guys. So uh, anyway, so I thought it was interesting. Like we had this statement from President Trump. We also had a, a, this is a, this is a, an article on Sununu. I thought I would throw in here real quick. This came from the National File. So not only is Chris Sununu saying I'm not going to run because we don't want to hand the presidency over to President Trump if the uh, if the candidacy field is too full. He wants to build a coalition to stop Trump. So uh, okay, so we've had all of the fake. Uh, Trump supporters, and we've had all of the uh, America, uh, um, uh, me first uh, patriots and Americans and candidates out there who have been slyly on the shadows, coyly, just, you know, kind of roundabout, like throwing out inferences, like, oh God, like, oh wait, like, uh, what was that one fool's name? I don't, uh, uh, Stu Peters, right? I mean, come on, Stu Peter, come on, Stu. Come on, get the clown collar off, right? That little straight collar. Like, he looks like a court jester with that clown collar on. Anyways, he is a court jester, okay? I mean, he's a little bit late for the party, if you ask me. I mean, it's a little bit late to be uh, to be an, a so-called alternative, so-called independent influencer and start getting your audience to turn against President Trump because he's what? pushing the vaccines he's late to the party where's he been is that why he's been focusing on like COVID-19 so much and his snake oil so this way he can turn his base against President Trump I mean that's pretty weak if you ask me I mean his arguments about Operation Warp Speed and not forcing the vaccines and the mandates on people are totally moot at this point, like that's not even an argument that people who are against Trump can use against a Trump supporter or even logically, even logically, ladies and gentlemen, because President Trump has said time and time again, he did not force the lockdowns. He did not force the mandates. And uh, we all know that there was a whole lot of even though we don't know, I guess we can believe since we don't know. Right. We can go ahead and believe it since we do not actually know. Now, there was probably a lot more other things going on with Operation Warp Speed and those MNR, mRNA uh, inoculations. Ladies and gentlemen, there's probably a lot more going on with that than even maybe Stu Peters knows about. So I don't know. I think it's kind of ridiculous. So you've had people, so now maybe like Stu Peters is like, oh, I got the signal from Sununu. Let's go all out and show our never Trumperism, right? Like people are going to start showing you who they are. Anyways, so that we, I mean, if you guys couldn't figure Stu Peters was a fake, I mean, come on, really? Okay, so Sununu calls for coalition to stop Trump, likely rallying behind DeSantis. So is this going to cause any of the people out there who say they want to restore the republic and save America and make America great again? Is this going to cause any of them to see DeSantis as an establishment hack? Like, are they still going to say, no, Trump's not the one. It's Trump's fault. There was no red wave in 2022. Uh, it's all the America first candidates that no one loved. It's their fault that uh, we didn't have the red wave. Never mind the ballot harvesting. Never mind the ballot trafficking. Never mind the fraudulent elections. Never mind the rig system. Never mind the vulnerable machines, ladies and gentlemen. Never mind the collusion between judges and NGOs and people on the street who are getting paid. Never mind all. All of that, everything that we saw from 2020, 2021, and realized and even at full throttle in 2022 to the point that they actually stole the elections in broad daylight, not just in the middle of the night with a ballot dump, 
Okay, those fake Republicans, those fake, no, no, those influencers, those traitorous influencers, ladies and gentlemen, who are now selling to you that Trump is not the man, ladies and gentlemen, in the sphere of influencers and media, it's known these guys exist as well. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. Can you believe that we're living in a day and age that we have to play rhino alerts for voters and for patriots? Jeez Louise, but you know what? They're going to be there. So just hitting up that rhino alert again, ladies and gentlemen. And uh, indeed, uh, real quick, hey, Raven2000, good afternoon. Good to see you in the audience. Raven2000 says, I've always known what Sununu looks like for some reason. Maybe I'm just older. No, you know, I, I was getting, Raven, I was getting Sununu and Chris Christie uh, confused because they're both Chris's and uh, President Trump was talking about both of them in the same, uh, same statement there and the same truth. But you know... <sighs> Yeah, Chris Christie. Now, that's someone I wish I did not know what he looked like anyways. Hey, Bubbles. Good afternoon. Good to see you. And good afternoon, Trick Pony. Trick Pony says, I live beside New Hampshire. Oh, you're close then, huh? Uh, and I, that's one of my favorite graphics that you posted there of President Trump and his family. It's the uh, the ultra, right? That's one of my favorites. Okay, cool. Thanks for being here this afternoon, guys. Good to see you in the audience. Thanks to all you guys for being here. So let's talk a little bit about this Sununu article. Let's see what Sununu likes about DeSantis, does it say? Or let's just see if he uh, trashes Trump more. The New Hampshire globalist is the latest never-Trumper to rear his head once again ahead of 2020. Oh, so this is the opinion paper. Okay, so here's Chris Sununu. Okay, so now I should be able to get the picture, the, the photographs clearly, right? Uh, <laughs> Raven 2000. Okay, so they almost look alike. I mean, like, I mean, obviously, Chris Christie has probably about 150 to 200 pounds more on him. <laughs> but they almost they had the same haircut, right? Anyways, okay. So let's see what this uh, let's see what this never Trumper dolt traitor to America has to say about President Trump. Globalist New Hampshire Governor Chris Sununu announced that he would not run for president because he wants all never Trumper Republicans to rally behind a candidate to stop Trump from winning the GOP primary. Sununu recently said some very nice things about Ron DeSantis during the Florida governor's trip to New Hampshire, signaling that DeSantis is the candidate that Sununu is talking about. In the Washington Compost, Sununu attacked Republicans uh, attacked Republicans aiming to be Trump's VP, writing too many other candidates who have entered the race are simply running to be Trump's vice president. That's not leadership. That's a weakness. Too many candidates are afraid to confront Trump surrendering to his attacks. I will have more credibility speaking out against Trump as a non-candidate to help move the conversation toward the future I believe the Republican Party should embrace. Sununu wrote that never Trump Republicans must rally around a candidate to beat Trump. No one can stop candidates from entering this race, but candidates with no path to victory must have the discipline to get out. Anyone polling in the low single digits by this winter needs to have the courage to hang it up and head home. 
Sununu recently praised uh, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis during his visit to New Hampshire, saying, I actually thought it was a pretty damn good speech. It's not just about the woke stuff. He talked about his fiscal discipline. He's uh, talking about doing things in Washington that folks have not gotten done. Like what? Sununu, what is DeSantis talking about doing in Washington, D.C., getting done that's never been done before? Like what? Like get an actual, uh, a decent and honest jury, right? To have an actual non-criminal court proceeding in Washington, D.C. Is that what you're going to do, Ron DeSantis? That's what I'd like to know. Anyways. Uh, he says here that uh, whether that's Ron or all the candidates, that's what we have been talking about. Okay, and then uh, it concludes here. Uh, in 2016, Ted Cruz and John Kasich combined forces in an attempt to stop Trump from winning the nomination. GOP primary polls show that Trump is still crushing Ron DeSanctimonious in a head-to-head -head match, meaning that Sununu's plans looks to fail just like Kasich's did in 2016. So there you go. The never Trumpers are showing and raring their ugly faces, ladies. Hey, but at least we can see their faces. It's better than the it's better than the soft traders, right? You know, the ones that uh, peddle all of this globalist filth, but they say they're about making America a great again. And they say they're about restoring this republic, but they're really not doing nothing about it. Okay, guys. So interesting that. Okay, so uh, yeah, well, there you go. That's what Chris Sununu had to say. That is what... Uh, President Trump had to respond to. I got one more President Truth Trump for you guys this afternoon, and then we'll jump into some election stories. Uh, let's take a gander. Goes like this. The same people that illegally spied on my campaign created the fake dossier, cheated and rigged our sacred presidential election, tried and failed with impeachment hoax number one, impeachment hoax number two, pushed for years the Russia, Russia, Russia scam, invited the no collusion Mueller bull. FBI Twitter files, FBI Facebook collusion, put the top DOJ official into the local DA's office to run the witch hunt in Manhattan, Manhattan and more are those that are now pushing the boxes host against Trump. Okay. It's all the same cast of clowns and characters, ladies and gentlemen. It's all the same people. It's all the same people. Um, you know, the people have got to wake up at some point or another. You know, it's like um, I was watching. Uh, oh, there was a video that had just dropped today. Uh, you guys probably uh, maybe some of you guys do. Maybe some of you guys don't remember um, um, an individual by the name of Laura Loomer. Now, I remember Laura Loomer from back in like 2016, 2015, 2017. Uh, big Trump supporter, you know, I'm not sure where she is. I mean, back when I was covering the, uh, the Milo, Ali Alexander, Nick Fuentes crap, you know, a few weeks ago, a few months ago, a month or so ago, a month or two ago, like Laura Loomer's name kept on coming up. Like they were talking about her, uh, wanting to run Kanye West's, uh, campaign, but she was like, no, I'm not going to do that because I'm running on, I'm going to be, I'm trying to support Trump here or she is supporting Trump, etc." Anyways. So she showed up at a James Comey book event, uh, this past, uh, past few days, I guess maybe it was past the weekend. A video just broke about her confronting him. 
you know. And uh, it's interesting. She she confronted James Comey. There was a lot of stuff that was said, right? Uh, it was a very interesting. Um, it was a very interesting uh, video because you know I think like probably the majority of us are used to seeing individuals who will confront a globalist uh, henchman, right, in public, whether it's at a book signing or it's at a public speech or you know whatever the situation might be. And um, uh, right away, immediately, they will get ferried out of there. Like the people, like, you know, you'll get security guards, you'll get the people in the audience, etc., who will rush them out of there. But like that didn't happen in this video, which to me, I don't know where this where this video, the video had taken place. But to me, that's kind of like, you know, even the host of the book signing for Jim Comey. And yeah, I, I mean, you guys could probably find it, like the video out there. Um, but I mean, I don't have it here to show you guys. But like, even the book host didn't do anything. <laughs> he just let Jim Comey sit there while, while Loomer just went off on him. And, and of course, you had some members in the audience that were saying, shut up, get out of here. One lady's trying to touch her. It's like, don't touch, right? You know? Uh, but, um, no one, no one whisked her out of there. I mean, James Comey had to leave, ladies and gentlemen, he had to walk out because I mean, after a minute, it was kind of like, she's just standing there still asking the questions. People are kind of saying, shut up, but they're not getting, getting out of their seats, you know, and he's just standing there looking at her dumbfounded. Right. Anyways. So, you know, the reason I, I bring that up is to the point of this truth. It's the same people, you know, Comey involved with uh, the dossier involved with the impeachment hoaxes involved with Russia, Russia. Then you got Mueller in there, ladies and gentlemen. And, and uh, of course uh, we also had the, um, Durham report that was released. Now, you know, that's the other thing too about the Durham report, because I've seen so many mixed opinions on that Durham report and I get it. And it's like I said here on the show the other day, right? I said, you know, I get it. Whenever we have a special counsel or a special investigation or whatever, you know, go into um, um, uh, releasing a report we want it with teeth, right? We want recommendations, you know, as if though the people reading the report, you and I or anyone else who stumbles upon the report couldn't figure out what it says. You, do we really need recommendations? I guess if we want it to be official. I mean, it's kind of like what happened in uh, what happened in uh, Maricopa County during the uh, forensic audit back in 2021, right? Like they got the report, but because the person who wrote the report didn't make recommendations, everyone was like, Rah! I guess nothing happens, right? Well, you know, we can see and we can read and discern and figure out and, you know, all the information for ourselves. So I don't know. I'm just saying. But anyways, uh, that that Loomer thing was on the back of uh, was on the back of uh, the Durham report and a James Comey thing again. All about all about trying to remove a a duly elected president. It's treason. It was about a coup to take out President Trump while he was still in office, ladies and gentlemen. It takes a criminal to know a criminal, doesn't it, James Comey? Anyways, so uh, that was that, ladies and gentlemen. I mean, other than that, I think the only thing I would have to say is, I don't know if she's a Zionist, but geez Louise, this has nothing to do with all of the... Uh... <laughs> with all of the plastic surgery loomer anyways okay guys i think that's the last trump truth for today as i stated let's get into this uh one trump story i had mentioned that uh president trump is uh filing his legal team has filed a recusal against judge juan merchant 
Um, and this is in regards to the Stormy Daniels case, the, the hush money case. So, you know, it was reported a while back, uh, I think it was by the Gateway Pundit, that um, the daughter of Judge Mershon or Merchin actually worked for the Kamala Harris uh, um, uh, campaign team, right? And, and the donors, right? I mean, that's what I was saying. What are you going to do, Ron DeSantis? You're going to get an actual honest courtroom in Washington, D.C. Is that what you're going to do that no one's ever done before? You know, like you're going to actually get some judges here who are not uh, loaded up on the DNC side and are taking all this kind of uh, corrupt deals. I don't know. I'm just speculating there. But anyways, so uh, just real quick on this story, we actually did, I popped up the uh, court order here just to give some of us an idea about how much involved this woman was, right? The the daughter of the judge who's overseeing this case. And then maybe you guys can decide for yourself if you think this judge should recuse. I mean, obviously he should. President uh, Donald J. Trump respectfully submits this memorandum of law in support of his motion for your honor's recusal from this case. And for uh, an on-the-record explanation to the parties about certain contributions apparently made by your honor. So not only was his daughter in support of his uh, in support of uh, of his political opponent, they were also making contributions to President Trump's political opponents. Now here under legal standards for recusal, it says as it relates to the conflicts raised herein, recusal is required whether there is actual bias or even the appearance of bias. The right to an impartial jurist is a basic requirement of due process. The right of every person accused of crime uh, to have a fair and impartial trial before an unbiased court and an unprejudiced jury is a fundamental principle of jurisprudence. A judge shall perform judicial duties without bias or prejudice against or in favor of any person. But even the appearance of bias without actual bias requires accusal, recusal in many cases, including here. Not only must judges actually be neutral, they must appear so as well. A judge shall avoid impropriety and the appearance of impropriety in all the judges' activities. So do you guys think that uh, there's an appearance here? Let's find out. Some of the facts supporting the need for recusal. A family member of the court works as a political activist that stands to profit from negative rulings or a conviction of President Trump. As has been reported in the media, your honor's daughter is a partner president and chief operating officer of Authentic Campaigns. Authentic. An entity that stands to financially benefit from decisions the court makes in this case. The defense was not aware of your honor's daughter's employment until it was reported by the media after the arraignment in this case. We submit that the court should have disclosed at a at or prior to arraignment its relationship through its daughter to authentic campaigns for the reasons stated herein. In circumstances far less significant than those presented by this case, the Court of Appeals has required such disclosure. The Court of Appeals has inferred a disclosure requirement in certain situations based on the obligation to avoid an appearance of impropriety. Um, as to a judge who sat on his... Uh, Dentist KO. This is uh, this is some case uh, some case history here, guys. So we'll we'll skip the case history. Okay, uh, let's see here. And it goes on to say, Authentic describes itself as a digital agency that partners with clients to build award winning campaign, uh, award winning uh, award winning 
Oh, sorry, guys. I lost my I lost my space here. Award-winning online progressive campaigns. Okay, um, its clients are a roster of progressive causes and Democrat elected officials, including the Biden Harris campaign, Kamala Harris for the People, and <clears throat> Hakeem Jeffries, to name a few. Authentic is a company um, which has both publicly taken positions against President Trump and has reported raising over $74 million in campaign contributions for clients since 2018, mostly in 2020 and 22 to Democrats. The front page of its website prominently displays a campaign rally for Vice President Kamala Harris, touts having raised hundreds of millions of dollars for progressive campaigns and features the Biden-Harris campaign as its client. Authentic worked for the 2020 Biden campaign in its contest against President Trump and continues to promote messaging directed, at least in part, against President Trump. In addition, Authentic's website features content reflecting a heavy Democrat and anti-Donald J. Trump slant, including, by way of example, headlines such as, Authentic CEO talks to New York Times about President Trump scamming people online. Jen O'Malley Dillon talking about Authentic's work on the Biden presidential campaign and inside Kamala Harris's small dollar fundraising operation. All right. It also goes on to say the court previously sought to induce Alan Weisselberg to cooperate against President Trump. You guys all remember about Weisselberg, right? This was the uh, gentleman that uh, worked for President Trump that the court said, hey, you can't get any gifts from President Trump. That's illegal. It says here, during the people, during the course of people v. Alan Weisselberg, the court participated in plea negotiations with Danny, counsel and uh, counsel for Mr. Weisselberg. At a June 17th meeting in the court's chambers, the court informed Mr. Weisselberg's attorneys that unless Mr. Weisselberg cooperated with the people against Donald Trump and his interests, the court would only offer Mr. Weisselberg a state prison sentence of at least one to three years imprisonment, even if Mr. Weisselberg pleaded guilty. Affirmation of Susan Nietzsche's uh, Alternatively, if Mr. Weisselberg went to trial and was convicted, the court indicated that it would sentence Mr. Weisselberg uh, to a longer sentence of imprisonment than one, two, three years. Wow, guys, that's pretty bad. Okay, so it has these... Um, has some affidavits here we're not going to take a look at. Uh, but to close it off, it does say here... Um, let's see here. In short, this court indicated that the only way to avoid serving time behind bars was if Mr. Weisselberg cooperated and pled guilty, pleaded guilty. Um, that's according to New York Times article. In particular, your honor apparently told counsel for Mr. Weisselberg a words to the effect of what does he have to lose by trying to cooperate with the people? The court also informed the parties that it would take into consideration Mr. Weisselberg's good faith efforts at cooperation. Affirmation of uh, Susan Hoffinger in opposition to the uh, Trump Corporation recusal motion is included. All right, here's another reason why the uh, president should be the president. The judge should be recusing himself. The court made campaign contributions against President Trump and other causes contrary to President Trump's agenda. Media reports have revealed what appear to be contributions by your honor to Joe Biden's prior presidential campaign against President Trump, Progressive Turnout Project, and Stop Republicans, all of which raise, if true, at the very least, an appearance of impartiality. 
According to publicly available information during the 2020 presidential campaign, the court made three political contributions through Act Blue. The first for $15 was earmarked for the Biden campaign. The second for $10 was earmarked for the Progressive Turnout Project. And the third, also for $10, was earmarked to stop Republicans, a subsidiary of Progressive Turnout Project. Okay, so there's a little bit of information there. There's a little bit more um, in that regard. But uh, finally, we have the court's partiality will reasonably be questioned due to the political and financial interest of your honor and daughter. So, you know, as it says here, based on his daughter's roles, based on the honors, uh, uh, well, they say his honors, based on the judge's political activity, they're asking him to recuse himself. So uh, we'll figure, I guess we'll see where this goes. I mean, this was just submitted, I believe, yesterday, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, there's no date on here. Okay. I believe it was submitted yesterday, though. Uh, um, but that, ladies and gentlemen, is kind of the skinny on what's going on in that front uh, with President Trump and this uh, legal proceeding with Stormy Daniels. But, I mean, you can clearly see here, ladies and gentlemen, I mean, you know, I might not know a whole lot of anything about litigation and all that stuff, but that I think does actually sound like some improprieties and some questionable activities going on in the courtroom of one Judge Juan Merchant, ladies and gentlemen. All right, guys, now it's time to get into some election news. Okay, let's get into some election news now. All right. Hey, guys, it's been a long time since you've seen this man's face on the screen. Who got who have you all remember there? It's my favorite state Supreme Court justice, or I should say retired, right? It's Michael Gableman, everyone. Does everyone remember Michael Gableman? It's just so funny because like yesterday I was just like, everyone's forgotten about Wisconsin. We need to talk about Wisconsin. Anyways, Michael Gableman was one of my, he's one of the unsung heroes, in my opinion, of the, uh, the 2020 election fraud exposure. You know, he, it's one of his reports, ladies and gentlemen, that I would say needs to go along with all of the reports. I mean, he did his report on Wisconsin and the, uh, the election in uh well he he was he was hired by Robin Voss ladies and gentlemen he was hired by Robin Voss like one of the biggest rhino speakers in state politics to have ever existed right who learned the tricks of his trade from a crooked state senator like Kath, Kathy Bernier right Kathy Bernier a crooked state senator Someone who did not want to do anything for the people and did everything that she could to fight against an audit of the elections in the state of Wisconsin, right? The same Kathy Bernier that, you know what, I'll drop it, okay? I mean, if you guys know the story about me and Kathy Bernier and John Solomon, then uh, I'll just drop it, okay? Anyways, so... <laughs> 
<laughs> okay, so, but, you know, Michael Gableman's back in the news. Okay, this is a real quick catch-up. I'm really going to have to do some catching up on Wisconsin. There's a lot of catching up I need to do, uh, ladies and gentlemen, because like I was saying, like, when it comes to states like Michigan and Wisconsin, and even Pennsylvania, who were in such play during the 2020 election uh, theft, ladies and gentlemen, after 2022, they kind of went away. But, you know, to my point, when we're talking about like the 2022 midterm in Houston, Texas and Harris County, right, and how we have 21 Republican uh, candidates who are suing Harris County, Texas over the botched elections that happened in November, it makes me wonder, A, besides why is no one covering the story, B, what happened to all the America First candidates and why are only two of them? filing lawsuits, right? And that would be, that would be Carrie Lake and that would be Abe Hamaday over in, in Arizona. But where's it? Where's everyone else? Why did no one else seek litigation or, or seek investigations or audits or anything? Was everyone just that complicit with there was no red wave? They didn't steal the elections. There was no, uh, there was no voter suppression. There was no ballot dumps and uh, it was all president Trump's fault. Is that what's going on here? We're all that complicit with it? Anyways, guys. So these are just things to, to think about, things to ruminate on if you have the time of day or the mental faculties to do so. Let's see why Michael Gableman of Wisconsin's in the news. Now, just as a quick recap for those of you who've never seen this face, have never heard the name or don't know what the heck I'm talking about. Uh, of course, uh, the Wisconsin election of 2020 was one of the most highly contested elections, right? It was one of the battleground states that we saw the Trump legal team in 2020 going to in order to, uh, in order to, uh, uh get the results, uh, well, I mean, to say overturned is not the right word to get the right results, to get an accurate election, to get an honest election, ladies and gentlemen. So there was a lot of drama going on in Wisconsin. We had leaders like Representative Timothy Rantham, uh, Representative Janelle Branchin, who were uh, probably about the only two in the state who were leading the cause um, to right the wronged and stolen 2020 mid uh 2020 wisconsin elections and that is until michael gableman showed up onto the scene now in one of the strangest turns of events and maybe not so strange if you understand how duplicitous how two-faced right some of these rhino representatives are and some of them are professionals i'm telling you Robin Voss learned the tricks of his trade from Kathy Bernier on how to be that duplicitous on how to be able to lie to your constituents on the national front and then be able to lie to them to their face when you're meeting them in public, but then get on local news and uh, say what they want to hear, you know, say what they want to hear. Okay. Uh, and I've seen videos of all three situations with Robin Voss. Okay. I've seen I've seen footage of all three situations I described to you with Robin Voss, but Robin Voss took an airplane trip with President Trump down to uh, was it Alabama. I think it was in the summer of 2021, fall 2021. Right. It was during a President Trump rally in Alabama that Robin Voss went down on, uh, I guess, Air Force One with him. I guess it wouldn't it would Trump Force One. I guess. <laughs> And changed his mind, and he hired Michael Gableman. And I'll never forget, because, you know, Robin Voss is a rhino through and through. I've got no love in my heart for Robin Voss, right? 
So I was like, oh, it figures he's going to do. I was like, Robin Voss is going to do exactly what Greg Abbott did. Robin Voss is going to do exactly what the Texas Secretary of State's office did. OK, and uh, they're going to tell President Trump, yeah, I'm going to run an audit. Yeah, we're going to do a forensic audit. We're going to investigate. We're going to investigate the stolen 2020 elections. We're not going to give up. We're never going to surrender. You're going to get your forensic audit. Now, you know, President Trump did not ask Robin Voss for a forensic audit. He asked Greg Abbott. Greg Abbott, in turn, handed uh, President Trump a fake audit. No, 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 I take it back. It was a real audit. It was not forensic. It was not forensic in any manner. I mean, they did nothing. They did nothing at all when it comes to forensically examining and investigating the 2020 election in Texas. OK, all they did is they took their they took their uh, um, their risk, uh, risk management, uh, uh, the one of those risk limiting audits. They took their risk limiting audit results. They said, oh, well, our risk limiting was good. So we don't have to actually go back and review the digital ballot images. We don't have to go back and review the physical ballots. We don't have to do any kind of paper tests on the ballots. We don't have to test any. They didn't do anything, guys. They did nothing for Texas. OK, Texans know what a forensic audit looks like of an election. We saw it in Arizona. Okay. We saw the whole thing. We covered the whole thing here on the C report every day as it was happening. Okay. So like, we know what it looks like, you know? So, you know, Robin Voss, Greg Abbott, I guess they're two peas in a pod, right? I guess they're birds of the same feather, you know, because they lie about, you know, doing one thing that's duplicity for you. That's two facedness, two faced, two facedness, however you want to say it. Right. So, you know, when Robin Voss told President Trump, yes, I am going to uh, do an investigation of the 2020 election. We'll get a special counsel together. His name is Michael Gableman. I never forgot because the very first story I read on Michael Gableman, they trashed him. And I was like, they quoted Michael Gableman as saying, uh, I don't even know how elections run. Oh, 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 oh. That's how they quoted him. And I was like, it figures Robin Voss would do this. He would hire some guy that has no idea. And Michael Gableman ended up being a bulldog, ladies and gentlemen. You want to talk about the hounds of hell to get election fraud proven? This man did the job. So like when we're talking about like the 2020, 2021 reports on election fraud, his his report and Wisconsin should absolutely be included in the stack. We got the Gableman report. We've got the Tina Peters report and stuff like that. We've got the uh, the Arizona forensic audit, even though it wasn't complete and it didn't have all of the information that they needed in order to fulfill the complete. I mean, come on. They abstained from giving them the routers. Where are the routers? windy they they abstained from getting them any of the electronic information that they needed they hired a special master who was a rhino to begin with right and it's bad enough that the liaison for the uh maricopa county audit was a freaking rhino who'd worked with the senate before we're talking about uh what was that guy's name again uh i cannot remember the dude's name i can see his face though Ken Bennett, that was his name. Ken Bennett, that snake in the grass. Ken Bennett over in Arizona, who's now, I think he's, I think he's actually a state legislator again. Go figure, right, ladies and gentlemen? So I went in on, I went in on by Michael Gableman at first, ladies and gentlemen, because when I found out Robin Voss had done it and this guy actually went public and said, I don't know how elections work. I was like, dang, but he ended up being a hound, an election hound, guys. And his report, 
corroborates independently a lot of things that have been stated in like the Tina Peters report and the uh, Arizona report uh, and beyond. even even in even in the Georgia report and the FISA report. Right. Because let's not forget uh, not FISA. I'm sorry. Uh, CISA, because even CISA released a report uh, that was uh, loosely based on um, Alex Halderman's report out of Georgia, which the Democrats paid for. But I don't even think that report's seen the full light of day. Anyways, so what's going on with Michael Gableman in Wisconsin? Well, it appears like, this is an interesting story because like, you know, it's kind of like whenever they're doing investigations into Arizona, let's even say into Texas, right? What is it that what is it that we've seen these electioneers do? The ones that are like, you know, the ones who are, I don't know, partisan who don't really care about the way election elections work in America don't give a damn about Americans and voting right because they're okay with stealing elections in the name of, of virtue signaling to save the country you know uh, uh is that you know with these people like they they just all play the same same card and and they will say oh there's no evidence none of this is true uh they threw all of your court cases out and uh, and that's about the long and the short of it ladies and gentlemen but interesting enough, you know, one of the activities that we see happen quite often, think about Colorado, right? How, uh, uh, think about Michigan, where they had, they had these uh, trust and logic tests that they were doing, right? To trust, uh, build, uh, is it? trust and build tests where they had them going in and they were resetting all of the machines, right? You know, they start erasing the evidence. They start erasing the evidence. So usually, you know, it's been up to people like, like Matt DiPerno, for example, in Michigan, sent out notices to like the county clerk saying, do not erase your evidence. Do not erase your evidence. Of course, all the all the county clerks over there who are all corrupt, not all of them, but the ones that were corrupt were like, well, you're not a judge. You don't have a judge signature. So I'm just going to erase this evidence because uh, because Jocelyn Benson, secretary of snakes for Michigan, told me I should. OK, uh, even though it's totally a violation of election law in Michigan and, you know, in the nation to do things like that, you know, but in this case, what we have happening is we have an organization that was PO'd at Robin Voss and PO'd at Michael Gableman for doing, for wasting, they said, wasting taxpayer money in this investigation into the 2020 election in Wisconsin. So they're actually ordering Michael Gableman not to destroy any records. And I'm like, this is interesting. It's a little backwards. Usually it's the other way around. And why wouldn't they want any of this information destroyed? And of course, ladies and gentlemen, Michael Gableman's response to this, uh, to these uh, accusations of them throwing away this information is my favorite Michael Gableman face. Oh, Anyways, let's take a look at the story. I've I've talked enough about this. Now you guys can get the real info. Okay, I just this is one of the stories that takes me back, right? Uh, to 2021. Okay, so it says here, don't delete records from probe into 2020 Trump loss. Okay, this is Washington Times. Uh, let me go ahead and expand it there so you guys can check it out with me. It says a Wisconsin judge on Monday declined to dismiss a lawsuit seeking to ensure that no records are deleted from a now closed state office created to investigate President Donald Trump's loss in 2020. Uh, the lawsuit was one of several filed by um, um, liberal watchdog group 
American oversight against Wisconsin Supreme Court Justice, former uh, Michael Gableman, and the Office of Special Counsel that he led. Assembly Speaker Robin Voss hired Gableman to lead the probe in 2021 under pressure from Trump and conservative Republicans in Wisconsin who were pushing for decertifying Biden's win. Voss put the investigation on hold in April 2022 and then fired Gableman in August 2022 after uh, after he turned up no evidence to back Trump's false claims of election. There's an entire report, ladies and gentlemen, an entire report. And that's not to mention that there were more active investigations that were happening um, that have now been shut down, right? You know, like take, for example, I mentioned Representative Janelle Branchin. Remember, I was like, has anyone gotten a pulse on Janelle Branchin? I mean, is she, is she doing okay? You know, like, because she was she was head of the elections committee for the House in Wisconsin. She's since been removed. Okay. They, all, they also actually kicked her out of caucus meetings. She cannot even meet behind closed doors with members of her party. Ladies and gentlemen, because they see her as an enemy of the establishment in Wisconsin when she's working for the people. And, and then, of course, they got rid of Timothy Rampham, too. He ran for president. I mean, president. He ran for governor of, of Wisconsin, and that did not work either. So, uh, yeah, it's pretty crazy, guys. Pretty crazy. Good afternoon, Victoria. Good to see you in the audience. Hope you're doing well this afternoon. Thanks for popping in. Uh, anyhow, so what is this kidneys on the... Anyways, because it says here... It says here, uh, let's this guys. It says even though <clears throat> the office has been uh, has been understaffed for nearly a year, it continues to fight to open records lawsuits. Courts have repeatedly ruled against Gableman and his uh, former office in those cases. So even though this the the office is understaffed, right? It continues to fight open records lawsuits. So Dane County Circuit Judge Jacob Frost on Monday affirmed with his latest ruling that the office formerly led by Gableman and any future version of it is subject to Wisconsin's open records laws. Um, <coughs> Frost, excuse me, Frost granted a temporary injunction against any deletion records deletion of records by the office and rejected the motion to dismiss a request made nearly a year ago. Uh, it says here, today's rulings uh, is a victory for democracy that affirms what we've been arguing all along. And this is coming from a representative of the American Oversight Group. Again, this is the liberal watchdog group that was writing uh, Michael Gableman's um, uh, special office on this. In th the entire time they were fighting lawsuits against the investigation. Uh, so they say uh, it affirms that uh, it's a, a victory for democracy. Uh, it says that they've been arguing for all along. Wisconsin's Office of Special Counsel is a state agency and must follow Wisconsin's public records law retention laws. You see, now I'm thinking like, <coughs> I'm thinking like they would want those records destroyed. But, you know, since Michael Gableman actually did his job, maybe they're just looking for information on who they can go after, right? I mean, think about it. Same, we, we were seeing the same thing whenever they were dealing with the uh, Wisconsin Election Commission, right? They, it was all about shifting blame, okay? It was all about shifting blame and then finding out who the leaks were, finding out what the information was so they could get ahead of the case. And this is a tactic that we see time and time again. I mean, it's not like it's something that's new when it comes to uh, these types of proceedings. Anyhow. Uh, so, yeah, so they say it's a ruling. I would think that they would want this information destroyed, but maybe there's some information in the uh, in the documents that they're seeking. Right. I think maybe that maybe that's what it could be. 
Um, it says here, Frost in his ruling said Gableman's office throws a variety of arguments against the wall to try to avoid the retention law, but they all fail. He said the public interest in preserving requesting and reviewing records obtained during the investigation was paramount. James Bopp, who represented the office of the special counsel, said no decision had been made on whether to appeal. He says, we are surprised by the ruling since all of the documents have been transferred to the clerk of the Wisconsin Assembly. The special counsel has no documents to preserve or to produce. At a hearing in September, Bob told the judge that the lawsuit was moot and that all records collected by the office would soon be made public. Assembly Chief Clerk Ted Blazel said Monday that he had the records and was working on getting them posted online in the near future. Okay, so that's pretty interesting, ladies and gentlemen. I just, you know, I thought I'd revive Wisconsin today and I thought I'd revive the Wisconsin story since Mr. Gableman was in the news. Uh, but again, guys, if you all did not follow the Wisconsin election investigation headed up by Michael Gableman, if you guys did not see any of the hearings that this man participated in. Now, I was reading another article about this particular hearing with the court. <laughs> and apparently Michael Gableman was held in contempt of court again. Right. Because, you know, you guys seen how Michael Gableman is. Right. That This man has no fear. For speaking the truth okay so i would recommend you guys catch up with that if you haven't but that's a little bit of something that's going on in wisconsin i need to dig more into wisconsin uh coming up ladies and gentlemen i don't know <coughs> i have i there's a couple of things a couple of stories and projects and angles i would like to get in on i think that in the aftermath of the 2022 midterms and how quickly everything was happening and transpiring not to mention that, you know, everyone just goes along with whatever current of information is out there uh, instead of taking interest in independent stories and doing active investigations oneself. We'll look in. I'll have to look into it. I don't know. I'm just I'm, I'm just bloviating up here, guys. Michigan, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, Georgia. I mean, those states were major players in 2020. So why did we allow ourselves to, I want to say, become complacent? Was it because uh, there was no red wave in 2022? Is it because all of our favorite influencers were saying, ah, it was Donald Trump's fault and all of the uh, America first candidates and we have to vote for Ron DeSantis, right? I'm talking about the major ones, guys. I'm talking about the people who get like hundreds of thousands of views, not like, you know, not like not, not, not like the small independents, okay? I'm talking about the ones who get hundreds of thousands to millions of views, guys. Those are the ones I'm talking about. Those are the never Trumper, supposed Trump supporting, supposed want to restore the Republic people I'm talking about. Okay. Like those ones, right? Those ones. IRL. Anyways. Okay. So let's move on to our next story for this afternoon. What do we got? Oh, we got another Texas story, ladies and gentlemen. This Texas story is quick on the heels of the Ken Paxton impeachment. Now, as I have speculated, you know, I feel like this whole Paxton impeachment is kind of a ruse. Uh, and not on the side of Paxton per se, but perhaps on the side of uh, the Texas state rhinos, ladies and gentlemen. Who do not, who are part of the apparatus that are keeping elections rigged and fake in Texas. That's what this is about, okay? The rhino establishment in the Texas State House 
that is all about keeping elections rigged and fake in Texas. Okay, that's what this is about. That's what I speculate the impeachment of Ken Paxton is about. You know, all it took was him triggering Dade Phelan by calling him a drunk in public. And Dade Phelan, in a uh, in a, a very, very uh, retaliatory manner, you know, uh, really flexed his state House representative muscles and got just about everyone, Republicans include 121 of them, right? Texas representatives to vote to impeach Paxton on 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 charges that Texans have already forgiven him for that Texans have known about and uh, still voted him to office again like he overwhelmingly won against George P. Bush. Right. Speaking of George P. Bush, you know, I was just thinking about it. We had W as a governor here in Texas. We had Jeb as a governor in Florida, Florida, Texas, don't you guys see the connection between the Bushes in Florida, the Bushes in Texas, and the Bush DeSantis campaign? Come on, let's wake up here, people. Let's wake up, okay? I mean, what are the odds? Anyways, the election story here in Texas. Now, as I was speculating, they don't want the elections to be investigated and fixed in Texas because they are fixed. They're rigged, right? Now, Harris County, that is a uh, that is a situation that uh, individuals like the attorney general and the speaker of the House of Texas should be deeply concerned with, because Lord knows the Texas Secretary of State's office. Are you listening, Jane Nelson? OK, they don't give a damn. Right. Secre Te Texas Secretary of State office has already declared that Harris County. Yeah, it was bad, but it wasn't bad as 2020. So we're going to go ahead and cover it up and whitewash it. We're going to let things stand. We don't care that there are 21 Republican candidates who are suing our county, you know, because of this botched election, you know. So. So anyways, guys, um, my my speculation is you need the Texas AG and you need the House Speaker in order to get these elections redone. OK, now is, AG will investigate. Speaker makes decisions, etc. I mean, it's, it's all part of the parcel. But if they're both tied up in impeachment proceedings, well, I guess we're going to have to let Harris County, Houston, Texas go the way that it goes. Right. Because no one else is doing anything about it, let alone anyone who lives in Houston, Texas, that might be able to share this information. Right. So anyways, guys, let's talk about Star County, Texas, because I know Houston County. I mean, Houston, Texas is like over here, guys. <laughs> but we've got Star County down here on the border uh, highlighted in red. So what's going on there? We had a um, we had a a, a um we had a press release from uh, <clears throat> from a uh, an organization called Project Red Texas that had been filing complaints of possible ballot trafficking and ballot harvesting in Star County. Uh, and as it turns out, um, the Star County Elections Department, as well as the Project Red Texas, confirmed that the uh, Texas Attorney General did have a raid of those offices. Let's take a look. This is from the Texas uh, scorecard, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, it says here uh, that uh, Star County Elections Department raided Texas Attorney General investigating voter fraud. Attorney General Ken Paxton's office conducted a search of the Star County Elections Department to investigate alleged voter fraud committed in the uh, November 2022 elections. 
It says here, Project Red Texas, an organization that recruits and supports Republican candidates for local and county level pol political offices, revealed Thursday that Attorney General Ken Paxton's office obtained a search warrant last week and conducted a raid of the Star County Elections Department. The press release asserted that the AG's office is investigating alleged illegal voting and ballot harvesting conducted during the run-up to the November 2022 election. The search and seizure record indicates at least 180 rejected ballots were seized, as well as the voter registration form of one of the subjects of the investigation, Modesto Vela. Vela has ties to Star County Judge Eloy Vera. In October 2022, Project Red Texas filed a complaint with the Texas Secretary of State that alleged illegal ballot harvesting. The raid is apparently related to this initial complaint. It is alleged that Modesta, Modesto Vela of Roma, Texas, illegally assisted at least one star county voter in, filing out, in filling out a mail-in ballot. Vela allegedly entered the home of a voter, filled out the ballot, and left the home in possession of the ballot. Project Red Texas asserts there is a photographic evidence depicting Vela leaving the property and an audio recording of Vela admitting to leaving with possession of the ballot. The complaint also claimed that Vela said she worked for Star County Judge Eloy Vera. Project Red Texas stated multiple laws within the Texas election code were allegedly violated in this instance, including influencing the independent exercise of the vote of another in the presence of a ballot, illegal possession of a mail ballot or carrier envelope as part of a vote harvesting operation, and illegal compensation for carrier envelope action. Voting by mail in Texas is very restricted as only a few categories of individuals may be submitted by may submit mail in ballots, including voters over 65 and those out of the country during the election. Politiqueras are South Texas political operatives who are paid to harvest mail in ballot votes for candidates. They collect ballot applications from voters and visit voters homes to help fill out and return the ballots. Vela was also associated with Star County Judge jo uh, Eloy Vera. The county judge told the Monitor that he previously employed Vera, a Democrat, as a politiquera, but that many others, including Republicans, had also employed her. Now, I'm going to pause there to say that, you know, this is the case. I mean, it's not just Democrats that steal, rig, and fix elections, ladies and gentlemen. And if we believe that, then we are fooling ourselves and we shouldn't even be part of this audience, right? Anyways, so like, uh, it's also the Republicans. There was a story that was broken right here out of San Antonio, Texas. It was actually, uh, I remember it because James O'Keefe was in town on my mother's birthday, right? And like he, they were covering this story about um, an election um, harvester. Uh, and it's the same specs, guys. She was just like this, like, you know, Hispanic woman, right? Like who's going to like people's houses, offering them like gifts, uh, perfume, scarves, whatever, in order to get votes from them. I mean, the whole thing was blows. This is like 2018, maybe. So, you know, if you guys check into the then Project Veritas records uh, on San Antonio and election fraud, that story broke here. That was James O'Keefe. And like, um, so, you know, that those, those, the story sounds very similar, right? Like we have the same types of qualities happening, like what was covered in that expose in San Antonio. It's the same thing. 
going to the houses. It's these people. And you know what? In San Antonio, it was actually a Republican candidate that got busted using a Democrat woman to go to the houses of people and, and tell them who to vote for. Right. And they hire them. So they call them in the South politiqueras. Politiqueras. That's uh, very interesting. So I just thought that was interesting, uh, an interesting comparison there. Uh, finishing up, it says here, the raid of uh, the Star County elections uh, department is the latest investigation of voter fraud in South Texas. In February, the Texas Attorney General's office announced an investigation of a Laredo City Council race for illegal voting. The margin of victory for the candidate in that race was small enough that the number of illegal votes could have changed the outcome. All right. So, you know, you know, it's always good to hear stories like this, but the only thing is that like stories like this also, I think, um, at least in my opinion, they also, um, they also dampen or they kind of diminish the stories of bigger election fraud. And the reason why I say that is because take, for example, like Jocelyn Benson up in Michigan, right? Like Jocelyn Benson up in Michigan will run all, oh, we arrested this single ballot trafficker. We arrested this one person for, oh, actually they can, they can, tra they can harvest ballots in Michigan, can't they? Anyways, but you know, something like that. And, and so they'll talk about the small stories they'll talk about. And, and the secretary of state's office specifically will push the small stories so that it looks like they are doing their job. And, you know, they are right. You know, sometimes small stories like this in regards to this, this judge Eloy Vera, there could very well be a ring that's happening there, or there could be some kind of, uh, you know, um, some kind of other corruption that's happening that could be exposed. But, you know, as long as I mean, and, and so these stories, it's important that these stories do get out. But I just feel like they uh, I feel like dishonest secretaries of state, dishonest AGs, dishonest, you know, uh, even even local election people, you know, um, I just feel like they can use these types of stories to kind of placate individuals into thinking that they're doing as much as they can do to expose the institutionalized rigged elections in our nation. So anyways, thought I would share that one with you guys coming out of Texas. Uh, let's see what we got. Oh, you know, I actually also had a copy of the search warrant. I don't think we need to go through the search warrant. I just had pulled it here in case, you know, it was something that we could go through. Uh, interesting stuff, right? You know, interesting stuff. Whereas you are commanded to seize unopened carrier envelopes containing voter mail ballots rejected by the Star County Ballot Board and that were not counted, were not counted in the November 8, 2022 Star County General Elections, which are in the position of Amanda Martinez, the Star County Elections Administrator. Uh, you are further commanded to open and search uh, said rejected mail ballots not counted in the November 8, 2022 Star County General Election. It is hereby ordered that pursuant to the provisions of Article 1810 Texas Code of Criminal Procedures that you shall retain custody of any property seized pursuant to this search warrant. Okay, there's just a copy of the search warrant. And then uh, a copy of um, the items that were obtained, ladies and gentlemen, um, by the uh, Star County, uh, or sorry, by the, um, uh, what do you call it, by the uh, Texas AG's office, pardon me. So yeah, we won't go through all of that, but there's a copy of that there for you all in case you yeah, were curious. All righty, guys. Where's that going to take us now? It's going to take us all the way to the other side of the nation. 
Let's talk a little bit about Pennsylvania and New York. Now, this is uh, another story from 2020, ladies and gentlemen. Boy, we just, we're just kind of reviving and resuscitating the 2020 stories today, aren't we? Uh, some of you guys may have never heard of this man uh, or seen this man. Um, and actually, if some of you guys are paying attention to some of the alternatives, you might know exactly who he is. This is a man by the name of Jesse Morgan. Now, uh, back in 2021, uh, we were running stories here at the Sea Report about uh, uh, Jesse Morgan being a driver for the, t uh, for the United States Postal Service and reporting about taking truckloads of ballots across state line from New York to Pennsylvania and not knowing where those ballots went. They vanished, right? Okay, so there, and so, you know, there was the, the guy, uh, Jesse, Mr. Morgan actually did a press conference. Actually, we're going to watch the press conference here again. So we showed this like over a year ago, okay? So just to refresh everyone's memory on this story, we're going to take a look at the press conference. Uh, should we watch the press conference first, guys? Should we watch it? Let's let's do that. Let's watch the press. It's only 10 minutes. It's actually less than 10 minutes. Okay, so let's do that. We'll watch the press conference first and then we'll get with the story because, you know, what was happening in this story, ladies and gentlemen, is that um, he was uh, he was making accusations. Of course, nobody believed him and everyone thought he was making it up. Okay, and that he was lying. And then and then it went into be internally investigated and we never heard anything else about it after that. And I, I think it's fair to say when we first reported on it that we didn't believe anything else would ever come out about it, right? Two years later, we have the report, okay? And it's an interesting report that, interesting enough, vindicates Mr. Morgan on his claims. So uh, just by way of a refresher, I know some of you guys saw this back in 2020, all right? I know some of you guys saw us cover this story in 2021, we might have covered it twice. Anyways, let's go ahead and take a gander. This is, again, Jesse Morgan, a United States Postal Service whistleblower, talking about how nearly 300,000 absentee ballots went from New York to Pennsylvania. I'm pretty sure some of you guys remember this story now, right? Let's take a look. So, these Gaylords contain plastic trays, I call them totes, but trays will work, of ballots stacked on top of each other. All the envelopes were the same size. I could see the envelopes had handwritten addresses, return addresses, and I could even tell that one of that one was marked registered mail. That one was off to the side. All right. <clears throat> they were complete ballots. I didn't I didn't think much of it at the time. At Beth Page, I was first loaded with two tall gaylords. So picture that thing there or or this little representation here. This Loaded with two that were that had uh, mixed mail pieces bound for Lancaster. These gay lords were loaded first 
because they would be the last off my trailer. The remainder of the truck was loaded with complete ballots bounded for Harrisburg. I then drove to Harrisburg with the ballots. Usually I offload in one of the seven docks every day, but not on October 21st. I wasn't allowed to offload. That's different. Whenever I pull into Harrisburg, I go around and I get my dock and I get unloaded and then I roll out. Not that day, all right? Not that day. Instead, I was made to wait for roughly six hours in the yard from 9.15 a.m. to 3 p.m. This really ticked me off, all right? My brother was in town. He just moved back up. And I went some time with him. I tried to get the attention of postal workers, but no one would tell me what's going on. All of this was weird. I arrived at the at uh, I arrived at about the same time every day. The expediter scans all my seals and barcodes, and they they unload me. But for the first time, or but or what? But from the time I first arrived in Harrisburg from Bethpage, everything got weird. None of that happened. After waiting six hours, I went inside to figure out what's going on. I was told to wait for the transportation supervisor. This was also weird. 16 months I've been doing this. I haven't ever talked to the transportation supervisor for the United States Postal Service. I talk to an expediter. I come in, I see an expediter. That's what I deal with. If I have an issue, it's the expediter. I don't deal with anyone else but the expediter. I never, never talk to the United States Postal Service's transportation supervisor. Let's make that clear. I have my own transportation supervisor for the company that I work for. He's the one that gives me the details. He's the one that I listen to. I don't listen to this guy. He's the guy that would contact my boss if he needed something ran different. <clears throat> I've never spoken with this transportation supervisor from the United States Postal Service. They don't speak to people like me. He's a top guy. He's the kind of guy that would speak to my boss, not a trucker like me. The supervisor told me to drive to, uh, told me to drive to Lancaster without being unloaded in Harrisburg. This made no sense to me. I knew the ballots were loaded for Harrisburg and that if I was to go to Lancaster, they would have to off unload my ballot or those pallets in Lancaster to take off Lancaster stuff to put the ballots back on the trailer to send them back to Harrisburg. Doesn't make no sense. This was a real screw-up in my, my thinking. I wanted, I wanted my ticket. So whenever I go to a place, I, and I, when I go there and whenever I'll leave, I'll get a ticket. I'll get a ticket, a slip, whatever you want to call it. It's the date time that I'm supposed to be there. It'll have my trailer number on it. It'll have... Um, how much I'm loaded, it'll have the seal number, 
it has my name or have who who was the expediter. So I wanted my 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 ticket, my slip. I call them tickets. Some people call them slips. Okay. Um, and then because I was there for six hours, I wanted my late slip too because I wanted to be pay, paid for sitting in that yard for six hours. So um, <clears throat> I wanted the ticket and the late slip for stopping in at Harrisburg. Also, I wanted it because if they tell me to take this load to Lancaster, I don't want to pull up the Lancaster of Harrisburg crap and be like, yeah, they just told me to be or come here and not have no no ticket because they don't look like I just came straight here, you know, <clears throat> just to prove that I was there. And so others would know I wasn't the person that screwed this up. A ticket is always provided to a driver when they arrive at a United States Postal Service facility that proves you were there. The transportation supervisor refused to give me a ticket and told me to leave. I then demanded he give me a late slip since I wanted to get paid for the time I was sitting there and waiting and waiting for them to offload me. He refused to give me that too. He was kind of rude and wouldn't explain anything to me. He just told me to go to Lancaster. I then drove to Lancaster, unhooked my trailer in its normal place, and then drove my truck to where I always park it in a nearby lot, and then I went home. The next day, it just got weirder. As I arrived at Lancaster, at Lancaster's United States Postal Service facility, with my tractor, I went to hook up to my trailer. And my trailer was gone. Not there no more. 10R1440. Since I started driving that Bethpage route, I've always had trailer 10R1440. I like that trailer. It was a nice trailer. I know you guys probably don't really know nothing about truck driving or trailers or anything, but the rear tandems I had a, if you're driving light, the rear tandems will actually, the front axle will actually go up. Um, nice air ride, the garage, the doors on it were, it worked great. Some of the trailers that place has, you could honestly put it on the back of a carrier and drop it off in the middle of the ocean and no one would worry about it. So that trailer I really liked, okay? Um, what happened on October 21st was a series of unusual events that cannot be a coincidence. I know I saw ballots with return addresses filled out, thousands of them, thousands. Loaded onto my trailer, in New York and headed for Pennsylvania. At first, I didn't think it was a big deal. In fact, I thought it was really awesome. I was, I really did. I was like, sweet, I'm doing something for the presidential race. You know, this is cool. <clears throat> but as things became weirder, I got to thinking and wondered why I was driving complete ballots from New York to Pennsylvania. I didn't know 
I didn't know why, so I decided to speak up. And that's what I'm doing today. Thank you. Pretty crazy, huh, guys? So uh, how many of you guys remember that? How many of you guys remember Mr. Jesse Morgan out there? Victoria over at uh, the Foxhole remembers him, the truck driver from Pennsylvania. Hmm. Trailers dumped at the ocean, right? <laughs> Hey, Sergeant Sparky, what's going on? Yes, uh, so yeah, so I'm sure, pretty sure most of you guys probably remember that story now, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, coming out, uh, this was a press conference held back in 2020, right? Some people probably like, oh, that's happening now. What's going on uh, at OAN? Nope, nope, nope. This is it's a refresher, okay? So that was Jesse Morgan. That was, he reported thousands of ballots that were already pre-filled out heading to... Pennsylvania from New York. And so again, there was a lot of controversy, obviously, over this story. And many of us doubted that there would ever be uh, some kind of follow-up to it. Uh, but in a surprising turn of events, uh, the Postal Service has finally released their final report on this story. And it confirms that Jesse Morgan did, in fact, haul a ballot a trailer of ballots from New York to Pennsylvania in 2020. So I think the question now the rest of us are wondering are is uh, what exactly does it say and what are they going to do about it? Uh, let's take a look at the article. It goes like this. This is from the Gateway Pundit. It says, as the Gateway Pundit reported in 2020, election fraud whistleblowers came forward in December following the controversial election, including one who witnessed the shipping of an estimated 144,000 to 288,000 completed ballots across three state lines on October 21. The new information was made public at a press conference by the Amistad Project of the Thomas More Society, a national constitutional litigation organization. The Amistad Project said that they have sworn declarations that state over 300,000 ballots are at issue in Arizona, 548,000 ballots in Michigan, 204,000 ballots in Georgia, and over 121,000 in Pennsylvania. They claim that their evidence reveals multi-state illegal efforts by the United States Postal Service workers to influence the election in at least three of six swing states. The whistleblower statements include potentially hundreds of thousands of completed absentee ballots being transported across state lines and a trailer filled with ballots disappearing in Pennsylvania. Attorney Phil Klein said 130,000 to 280,000 completed ballots for the 2020 general election were shipped from Bethpage, New York to Lancaster, Pennsylvania, where these ballots and the trailer in which they were shipped disappeared. Truck driver Jesse Morgan was present at the press conference and spoke for nine minutes about his unbelievable ordeal. Morgan was tasked with delivering completed ballots to Pennsylvania from New York State. Now, as we just heard Mr. Morgan in his press conference state, I'll reread it. In total, says Mr. Morgan, I saw 24 Gaylords or large cardboard containers of ballots loaded into my trailer. 24 of them, guys. These Gaylords contained plastic trays. I call them totes or trays of ballots stacked on top of each other. All the envelopes were the same size. I saw the envelopes had return addresses. They were 
complete ballots. Jesse went on to say that he sat in Harrisburg for hours and when he was told to leave, the supervisor at the post would not give him a slip or an overtime slip so he could get paid. Jesse said the manager supervisor was kind of rude. Jesse's testimony revealed that the United States Post Office employees were in on the conspiracy to steal the votes. The Gateway Pundit later discovered that rather than investigate this massive alleged crime, U.S. Attorney General Bill Barr called up investigator Tony Schaefer and killed the investigation. He never lifted a finger to investigate this enormous act of election fraud. Uh, you guys remember when uh, Bill McSwain gave that speech, right? And then uh, he, uh, Bill McSwain was in Pennsylvania, was, I think he was supporting President Trump, right? And then, and then it was, he released this letter where uh, McSwain was told by Bill Barr not to do anything. And in a shock, you would, you would have thought President Trump would have been like, well, thank you, McSwain, for doing the right thing. Instead, President Trump tells McSwain, you coward, you yellow bellied liver lover. You know, okay, he didn't call him a coward. Basically, he was like, oh, so Bill Barr says don't investigate and you bend the knee, right? So that's basically what President Trump's response to McSwain was. Uh, but here is that uh, that letter of notice that the, here's, here's McSwain's little tattletale, right? Okay. It says here, on election day and afterwards, our office received various allegations of voter fraud. It says, Attorney General Bill Barr, however, instructed me not to make any public statements or put out any press releases regarding possible election irregularities, because everyone knows Attorney General Bill Barr has jurisdiction strength over Pennsylvania, right? Over the entire Commonwealth, right? This is ridiculous. So he says here he disagreed with that decision, but he had no backbone to follow. Uh, and he just followed through with his orders, right? Yeah, I added the backbone part in there. Now it says in June 2022, the Gateway Pundit reported that the United States Postal Service investigated the allegations by the truck drivers, but they would not release their report. Now this, the American Thinker published a report this weekend and the USPS finally released their report on the accusations of truck drivers hauling completed ballots across state lines into Pennsylvania before Election Day. OK, so uh, let's jump over to American Thinker. OK, and let's see what it has to say. Yeah, this is why I like root articles. Yeah, I wouldn't have. Anyways, OK, so it says here. Um, <clears throat> here's the update. June 2nd, 2023. Uh, it says here. Okay, so we went through we went through the press conference. We saw that, so we don't need to recap all of that, right? This is what this is all right here is a recap of what we saw in the press conference. <clears throat> it says, now you might think that this is a yarn. What is going on here? Go up. A, a yarn that Morgan made up, but you'd be wrong. It is highly it in its highly redacted. In its highly redacted closing memorandum, the post office inspector general does not deny that Morgan was a subcontractor truck driver who took mail from Bethpage to Harrisburg and then to Lancaster. The OIG claims that Morgan identified the wrong trailer number and that his estimate of ballots could be much lower. The OIG also asserts Postal Service employees working on October 21st could not recall directing Morgan to proceed to Lancaster, emphasis added. Wow, does the post office keep a written record when it sends a big tractor trailer from one city to another, or does it simply let truck drivers decide when and where to take their trucks? So that, ladies, you know, I used to know someone who worked for the post office. I That would be an interesting question to ask that individual, right? So isn't that crazy, guys? Is that not crazy? And then it kind of makes you wonder what this entire memorandum is all about, right? Let's see. 
Let's see. I pulled it up. United States Postal Service, uh, it says here, Office of Inspector General. So on December twenty, uh, December 1, 2020, the Amistad Project, an initiative of the Thomas More Society, held a press conference involving U.S. Postal Service Highway Contractor Route Driver uh, Redacted, alleged she transported mail-in ballots across state lines from Bethpage, New York, to Lancaster Page on October 21, 2020. Redacted explained he transported 26 Gaylords. Okay, Redacted claimed. Okay, Redacted believed. And uh, after driving in Lancaster, Redacted dropped off the trailer and went home. Okay, so it's uh, redacting his name a lot. Uh, sworn affidavit, he claims to use trailer ID. That's the number there, okay. Additionally, uh, redacted and media reports indicated his trailer transported approximately 250,000 to 300,000 ballots. A joint investigation between the United States Postal Service um, Office of the Inspector General, United States Postal Inspe Inspection Service, and the Federal Bureau of Investigation conducted over 20 witness interviews and reviewed Postal Service transportation databases, which revealed Redacted used approximately six different trailers in the month of October 2020. On October 21st, actually utilized trailer ID number and not ID number. Trailer ID number is the trailer Redacted alleged disappeared. Subsequently, utilized trailer ID number on October 22, 2020, with no incident. Interesting. Sounds to me like Jesse Morgan should have taken some pictures, right? On October 20th through 20, uh, October 22nd, trailer ID um, redacted was utilized for postal service route inspections. Okay. Uh, let's see here. Oh, sorry. Starting in Seminole, Florida. Okay, so that's interesting. So I don't know, ladies and gentlemen, where you want to take that one. I don't know if I'd take it to the bank, right? Investigators conducted numerous interviews with Postal Service employees working on October 21 and October 22 who are associated with the inbound slash outbound processing of the trailer ID. And none of these employees interviewed were able to corroborate the allegation. Of course they would not be able to corroborate the allegation, not to mention, you know, depending on when this... Uh, uh, investigate. When was this investigation filed? Does it even say here? I don't even think it's this year. Let's see. There's like, uh, is there a date on the bottom? Maybe. Oh, three twenty four twenty one, guys. Three twenty four twenty one. Well, I mean, that's not like it's like a year later. Uh, but that is some time after. So I don't know, guys, but I mean, so it's confirmed he did go, but uh, they got a whole bunch of, it sounds to me like they have a whole bunch of other cover on this. If you're looking at it at face value, ladies and gentlemen, I mean, you can't really refute what they say in their reports, can you? Anyways, I don't know. I'm just saying, I'm just saying, ladies and gentlemen, that's an interesting story that there. Okay. All right. So where are we at now, guys? I think that's going to take us to... I think we got uh we got about one more story to cover okay i mean i did have some epstein stuff that i could go over with you guys uh jamie diamond running for president really now i know why the epic times ran a puff piece on him ladies and gentlemen because he's gonna run for president anyways okay uh or at least he's thinking about it uh let's get to our last story for this afternoon ladies and gentlemen Yep, yep. Bubbles says you always need a slip for tracking purposes. No kidding, right? No kidding. Empress Beach 2 says due diligence works 
for the postal office. He could probably, oh, that's awesome. I didn't know that. Okay, cool. Yeah, I mean, someone needs to ask Mr. Diligence the question. <laughs> yeah, they investigate themselves, says Victoria. Isn't that ridiculous? And uh, Empress Speech 2 says, I hope uh, life improves for him uh, now that the truth is finally out there. And uh, I agree with that too. Uh, I say God put him there for a time and season. It will come to be. Uh, God put him there for a time and a season. Let me tell you what. There's definitely a reason, ladies and gentlemen. Okay, cool. All right, guys. Uh, fair warning. Fair warning. Ladies and gentlemen, we have a swamp creature coming to the screen. Oh, the swamp creature. My ah, there's the swamp creature. Okay. I was looking for a photograph of Katie Schnobs in her less flattering days, right? In her less flattering years, right? Okay, we've gotten all kinds of photographs of Katie Schnobs here on the Sea Report. You remember when we used to show you the pictures with her lesbian Sonic the Hedgehog haircut? You guys remember that? Anyways, okay, I like picking on Katie Hobbs. All right, everyone likes picking on Katie Hobbs because she is, oh my God, she's one of the most easily dislikable people on this planet. I'm pretty sure, right? And wouldn't it be a hoot if she ended up being like a white hat, like double agent? <laughs> I don't think it's possible, ladies and gentlemen, unless she was infiltrating the uh, George Soros uh, Secretary of State's uh, club back in like 2008 or six or 12 or, you know, whenever it was that they were doing that over there. But yes, Katie Hobbs has made the news again, not for any other reason that she's totally failing at her job and exposing her, her, her true agendas in the state of Arizona. We've done a couple of Katie Hobbs stories that highlight how terrible of a job she's doing as governor, including her falling asleep the first day on the job during a meeting, right? We had a photograph of that guys. Uh, but this one is actually, uh, to me, it's, it's actually way more concerning. Okay. Like, you know, Katie Hobbs, the same person who hangs like, uh, you know, the LGBTQ flag at the state house, Katie Hobbs, the same person who, uh, is, is a convicted racist, ladies and gentlemen, has now deemed that it is perfectly okay for teachers who are just desperately trying to make some extra money to film pornographic scenes for their OnlyFans account in school classrooms. Isn't that ridiculous? Now, you guys might think, oh, well, I mean, uh, who would do such a thing? I mean, why would the State House of Arizona even waste time legislating such crazy crackpot notions? Why would the State House of any state spend the time legislating uh, our rights not to have uh, uh, an injection forced upon us, right? But, oh, we have to fight for that again now, don't we? You know, our rights would say that we can, uh, we don't have to fight for freedom of speech, but we have to fight for that now too. Uh, our, our rights say we don't have to fight uh, for our parental control over our children, but apparently we have to do that too now, right? I mean, we have to make laws for laws that already exist, which is ridiculous, right? But when you're talking about the state house passing a law that says, Teachers cannot film pornographic scenes in uh, government buildings, in school buildings. You'd think that that was a waste of time and you wouldn't have to do that. But no, apparently in the state of Arizona, there is a reason why they have to file such laws. And Katie Hobbs will stand there and be like, well, 
teachers need to make money too. And um, sex workers are honorable people. Right, that's Katie Hobbs. I don't know that she would actually say that. I'm just saying. Anyways, let's check the story. It's ridiculous. Let's <laughs> I know it's ridiculous. Let's check, let's check the story out. Okay, Katie Hobbs, what are you doing in Arizona? Right? Radical Democrat Katie Hobbs allows pornography to be filmed in Arizona's K through 12 public school classrooms okay now the reason why the state house of arizona even had to consider this bill is because apparently these types of activities have taken place in arizona in government buildings and in school classrooms ladies and gentlemen uh this article is by jordan conrad it's in let's go ahead and uh make her bigger so you can See what I'm reading to you guys. Okay. It says here, Katie Hobbs has vetoed, vetoed a new law making it illegal to film or facilitate sexually explicit acts in government buildings and classrooms months after a teacher in Arizona was fired for shooting a porno in her classroom and posting it to OnlyFans. No 12-year-old child should ever have to worry that their middle school desk was the location of a porn shoot. Yet because of Hobbs' actions, this is precisely the case, said Arizona State Senator Jake Hoffman. Uh, Senate Bill 1696 passed through the House and Senate with Republican support. Radical left Democrats predictably voted against the measure. Last November, a teacher was caught uh, filming porn in her eighth grade classroom and sharing it on her OnlyFans uh, and social media. Uh, this report from the Arizona family says in Lake Havasu City, Arizona, a teacher at Thunderbolt Middle School is reportedly was is reportedly caught in a scandal, one that's horrifying both parents and students. That was my friend's daughter's desk, and she is mortified over the situation like, that is my desk. She has no care knowing students have seen her everything and on students' desks, said Thunderbolt mom, Christina Miner. The teacher has an online account where students found her pornographic content, which appears to be filmed in her eighth grade classroom. She was sharing these links to her sex site on her social media accounts, which are public which children follow her, said Minor. The sick teacher reportedly used a photo from the school yearbook on her OnlyFans page. Lake Havasu Unified School District said in a statement, it has come to our attention that students have been airdropping explicit material. The images did not happen during the school day and the person depicted no longer works for the school district. Please remove all images from your child's phone and talk to them about the appropriate use of technology. No criminal charges were filed against the individuals involved in making the sex tape, leaving parents disgusted and outraged. Hobbs vetoed the bill banning porn shoots in classrooms and government buildings, calling it a poor measure to address those concerns. What? Really, Katie Hobbs? It's a poor measure to address people uh, shooting porn. What if they shot porn in the governor's office? Oh, my God. I don't even want to think about what Katie Hobbs has been doing in there since she's been governor. Okay, never mind. It says here, maybe that's why. She's like, but then how am I going to make my extra cash on OnlyFans, right? Okay, maybe there's like this sick ring of like uh, people who buy like government porn shoots, right? Like 
for all you know maybe that's the other thing that these pro these prostitutes are doing in office right maybe maybe since like the texas state house is doing nothing but getting drunk and taking breaks on legislature that's already been written and handed down to them to just present like they're the ones who actually penned it maybe there's this whole ring of like government state house porn shoots and that's what these prostitutes are all there for right did i say prostitutes there's another group of whores that we could talk about today, ladies and gentlemen, but we're not gonna. Okay, so uh, it says here, State Senator Jake Hoffman released the following statement calling Hobbs' actions absolutely sickening. Okay, we actually have this here. Let's take a look at his statement, uh, Mr. Now, I don't know, I don't know uh, many of the uh, state reps in Arizona, right? It's, I mean, because it's, I mean, while I try and keep up with news, news, like real news, you know, it's, I mean, the locals, that's what I mean. Real news to me is like more like local news, right? Than like, you know, Washington, D.C., Capitol Hill crap, right? Uh, so I don't know if this dude is actually a good guy, right? Because even the even people who pass good legislation usually end up being duplicitous uh, politicians who are nothing but rhinos or dirks. Let's not forget a dirk is a Democrat in Republican clothing, for those of you who do not know the parlance, okay? So, like, I mean, I don't know if this Hobbs dude is a good guy or not, right? But anyways, this is what Hobbs had to say. I mean, at this point, I don't look at many, many supposed representatives alleged representatives as good guys because a lot of them know that the system's rigged and they're not doing anything about it because they want to maintain their place of power okay anyway so hobbs had this to say about hobbs okay oh wait wait his name's hoffman not hobbs okay so i don't know if hoffman's a good guy but let's see okay so it says here uh senator jake hoffman is calling out governor hobbs for her outrageous veto of a bill that would have made it a crime to fill pornography in any buildings funded by taxpayer dollars, including the classrooms of our K through 12 public schools. Seven months ago, you know, this is just telling all the perverted teachers out there that it's okay to start, you know, let's start a Thunderbolt High OnlyFans page featuring the faculty and staff, right? Might as well do that. I mean, that way they can fundraise when the government of Katie Hobbs isn't giving them any money for their schools, right? Anyways, so it says here, seven months ago, local media reported two teachers, two teachers in Mojave County were fired after students and parents found easily accessible pornographic material posted online. Um, made by the couple, some of which was created in the very classroom one of those teachers was working in. Unfortunately, current state law does not establish this as an illegal practice. SB 1696, sexually explicit materials, government prohibition, uh, would have prohibited government property from being used as a site to film or facilitate sexually explicit acts and would have established a violation as a class five felony. Uh, Senator Hoffman says, once again, Katie Hobbs is spotlighting Democrats far left extremism by vetoing yet another bill intended to protect our children from exposure to sexually explicit materials at the hands of Arizona governments. <clears throat> it's absolutely sickening that Katie Hobbs is allowing pornography to be filmed in our state's taxpayer-funded classrooms. Now, you gotta be careful, Senator Hoffman, because in today's vernacular, sickening is a good thing. They're gonna be like, Katie Hobbs is allowing people to film porn in classroom? 
That's sickening, ladies and gentlemen. Sickening, right? So be careful. Be careful, Senator Hoffman. People might think that you're actually uh, applauding Katie Hobbs. All right. Okay. So it says here, it's absolutely sickening, right? <laughs> Sorry, guys, I can't stop saying it like that now. Anyways, uh, Mr. Hoffman went on to say, these should be safe spaces for our kids to learn. And we're not talking about the woke safe spaces, right, Senator Hoffman? These should be safe spaces for our kids to learn in, not venues for the sexually explicit adult entertainment industry. Num uh, no 12-year-old child should ever have to worry uh, that their middle school desk was the location of a porn shoot. Yet because of Hobbes' actions, this is precisely the case. Hobbes should be ashamed of herself and every parent in the state of Arizona should be outraged. This is a despicable use of government resources and there should be legal repercussions in place to discourage these types of practices from ever occurring again. All right, so there's your statement from uh, Senator Hoffman. And uh, let's see here, there's a statement. So it says here, and that's his uh, release on, uh, that's his release, I guess, on Twitter there. Okay, his immediate release. So guy, what do you guys think about that, huh? Katie Schnobbs, fake governor of Arizona, allowing porn to be filmed on government property, ladies and gentlemen. That is pretty radical stuff, if you ask me. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that is going to bring us to a conclusion for today's episode of The Sea Report. I hope you guys enjoyed it as much as I did, man. Some pretty crazy stories coming out there. Uh, if you uh, like today's program, uh, today's broadcast, actually, I prefer to use the, the word broadcast program. Anyways, I'm not trying to program anyone here, right? I'm just sharing my thoughts with you. I'm sharing my truths through the news. But ladies and gentlemen, if you did enjoy today's broadcast, please make sure that you hit the like, rumble, or red pill buttons. And uh, do make sure to follow along uh, to get notifications of when I go live here on this channel. Be you at rumble, be you at twitch, be you at pilled or the foxhole. And, uh, and if you'd like to support the work I'm doing here and keep this broadcast on the air, then you can definitely support. There are many uh, different uh, uh, avenues for anyone who'd like to make a donation or contribution in any way would be uh, accepted with many thanks from my heart to yours, ladies and gentlemen. Don't forget to check out the Sea Report on podcast just in case you're out for a jog or you're driving. You don't want to be caught watching that telephone screen while you're driving or jogging, right? You might fall into a hole. You can always take it on the go, in your earbuds, on podcast version. You can check it out over at your favorite podcasting app, be it on an iOS or an Android operating system. It's available at Spotify on video for those of you who uh, who like to watch and listen. 
Thanks again for being here this afternoon with me on The C Report. I've been your host, Mr. C, also known as Michael Aaron Cossidis. I'll be back sooner than later, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, but as always, uh, before you go into that gentle night, make sure that you uh, be safe, be blessed, and God bless America. We'll see you next time. Take care, guys. Ta-ta.